2: This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. We're back in South East London, back to a pub we came to a few weeks ago. We liked it so much, we've done it again. The Hercules pub, if you come out of Lambeth North Station, it's directly in front of you. Literally just five minutes walk from Waterloo Station, Wicked or Booze, one of the new little kind of boozers with all sorts of beers from all over the place and rums and everything like that I mean I've got myself a I've got a bohe- is that a bohemian it is absolutely yeah bo- bohemian and, yep. you know, the GP's got yourself some sort of rum in it
1: yeah just on the cocoa canoe mate
2: that's it the cocoa canoe I'm Billy Grant here and I'm sounding quite chirpy considering we just gone out the cup last night to Cambridge United and I'm sitting here with my chums in the Hercules pub. Come down there. It's a wicked, wicked little boozer as well. As well, I'm sitting there with Gary Paul, GP. How are you doing, JP?
1: Yeah, not too bad. I mean, still a bit down after the events of this time last night. But as I say, it is what it is. It's sunny outside. Well, no, it's not really sunny outside. We're still in the cup. No, we're not really in the cup, are we? I was actually all right until you asked me these questions. Listen, I'll come back to you a little bit
2: later because maybe I might to find some things that could cheer you up. I've got the Liberal Nick. Who's down on this combine harvester? He doesn't come down that often, other than games. There was a game last night. And the Liberal Nick thought he's going to stay over, and he's going to chat to us about what went right and
3: wrong last night. How are you doing, the Liberal? I'm all right. I'm all right. It, it, typical, isn't it? We go out the cup and it starts raining all day. But you know, the sun never shines when you lose a cup game. But it's a cup game. Yeah. And it doesn't, and, and literally where we are as well, it's like literally just
2: down the road from. Uh, for the cricket, in it from the old Oval. So we've got um, there's all sorts of Australians in here, like you know, loads of them because obviously at the Old Ashes, and they've obviously been in here for most of
3: the day. Well, except except like except like 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 Brentford last night. The Aussies have obviously lost their way because they're meant to be at Lords in North London, not down <laughs> South London. But you know, hey, well, it's true, <laughs> it's
2: true. But well, they have lost their way. Uh, we were going to give them a map, but they have no interest because they look completely out of it anyway. But like I said to you, we have got loads on the show today. We're going to reflect on the cup match against Cambridge and we're going to be asking what we have learnt from our three games so far positives and negatives as well plus we look forward to the whole match we chat to Bobby Headcraft to find out what the Tigers have up their sleeve for the bees. but also tell you something I just want to talk about something because um, I'm going to ask you guys have you ever have you ever done anything or been involved in anything something something got quite left field and the one thing that you've done has really encouraged you to get into something else. Um, And the reason why I ask this is, I don't know if you've just checked in on uh, Twitter, there's a guy called Turkish Bees. And he's a, well, a Brentford fan. Turkish Bees, and he got very, very excited when we signed um, Halil uh, uh, um, Devoglu. Yeah. Halil from uh, Sparta, Rotterdam. Got very excited because he's Turkish and he was, like, big in his praises. He he was throwing all the facts and figures out there. Anyway, a couple of people out there, including, I think, Lewis, Adriano, did a bit of research on, uh, on Turkish bees, and he said to our oh, Turkish bees, "You know, just want to know. By the way, love your enthusiasm. Are you a British bee, or you know, do you live somewhere else?" He goes, "Oh no, I live in Turkey." He goes, "Ah, oh, so how are you into Brentford?" He said, "I was playing football manager, and I got into Brentford, and then I got very excited about Brentford. So I did some more research on Brentford, and as a result, now I'm a Brentford fan." So he actually got into Brentford in Turkey by a football manager. So I'm just sort of sitting around here thinking, Is ed- has anyone else been done something? Where you start off doing one thing and it actually gets you into something else. GP. Uh,
1: well, sort of. I remember once I was playing football and um, it ended up in a, quite a boozy session at some at some guy's house. There was a group of us. There was actually a group of metalheads, and around the time, it's around the time that um, and Justice for All by Metallica came out, and an afternoon, you know. And even in listening to that, I then ended up kind of quite liking Metallica music. So you you flip from being a hip hopper to a Metallica boy? Yeah, so, so I kind of like to mix and match these days. Liberal.
3: Well, those of you listen to podcasts over the years will have known that I'm a sensitive soul. I have an artistic side to me, and, and a liar, and I don't, you know, and I don't like to uh, display that too often in public, but. I actually do enjoy poetry, and you know, if I get if I if I need a bit of you know downtime, me time, I do actually enjoy listening or reading reading poetry. And it was John Cooper Clarke who got me onto that. Um, so two things: one, if you get on a podcast, download Desert Island Disc recently with John Cooper Clarke, fantastic, fascinating listen. But back in about '78, it must have been Richmond Pontem's College. John Cooper Clarke came down and he was a support actor to orchestral manoeuvres in the dark. And he came down, did his old Chicken Town and all that poetry and it really got me thinking about it and he, I spoke to him afterwards, after, after the gig and said thank you very much for coming down and he, he was reading a book of Shelley's poetry and actually I thought it was a bit pretentious but went away and read some of it and ever since then, if, I'm, if I've got a quiet moment if I really want to get into myself a bit of 19th century jelly keats wordsworth poetry is my thing i have to admit i mean
2: a couple of weeks ago i did see you reading a bit of wordsworth on the terraces at half time and i thought what the hell's going on here like the liberal nicks like you know he's gone into some sort of kind of super you know is,
3: is that is that to go with the halloumi burgers you know or, is, or am i stereotyping here now no you are definitely stereotyping i'd never t- never touch halloumi you know <laughs> pure red meat for me no. Organic, but pure red. right. So listen, And for me, I mean, I was thinking about that as well. Back
2: in the day, um, massive hip-hopper as well. But then as a little bit of a hip-hop came out, the Tribe Called Quest first album, Jazzy Samples. I used to be a big... Charles Peterson fan as well, and he used to actually kind of put forward all the that you know the, the hip hop tracks with the jazzy samples. And as a result of that, I started to become a bit of train spottery and then used to find out where the samples came from, the jazz samples that were sampled in the hip hop tracks, and then I started to buy these jazz records, start to get really into jazz, start to go to jazz clubs, you know.
0: Uh
2: well, did with the Jerry, but you know, with the shoes and the trousers and did the dancing, you know. So it's sort of kind of street jazz and all that kind of stuff, but still, you know, so Sanders, you know, freedom and all things like that. But, yeah, yeah, got really into this whole jazz thing off the back of jazzy hip hop, you know, from Triple Quest and all the others. There's loads of them as well. They weren't the other ones. So that's my left field thing. But anyway, we, we like to detract, we like to go a little bit left field on the podcast. But let's bring it back, unfortunately, <laughs> to the match last night, Tuesday night. Cambridge came to town. And, uh, you know, what I've got to say is, uh, you know, Cambridge came to town as a real, 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 real disappointment. Um, It was our last cup match under the lights of Griffin Park. Such a disappointment, like I said to you, we went down to a very early goal. Bees came back in the second half, but we just could not get the winner. And then, uh, of course, we went out, Southern Death in the penalty shootout. The Bees had a lot of changes, fair enough, like we had a lot of new players that came in, so a lot of fresh faces in there. The question is, did Thomas Frank make the right decisions in that game? We spoke to both Bees fans and Cambridge fans after the match, on the terraces and in the pub, to hear their thoughts. We let a goal in very early. We didn't do much in the first half at all. I thought we got a lot better once Jensen came on and uh, we decided to ping the ball about really well. Didn't have many shots on target. I mean, Full score's a nice goal. We had a few sort of crosses uh couple of decent shots towards the end and that was it we just didn't um didn't play that well throughout the whole
4: game but to be fair mark on this is going to be the whipping boy but i thought he played really well tonight
1: it's nice to have a little run in the cup but ultimately we've got quite a big squad biggish squad we've got a lot of players that um need some game time and you know this is what this cup could be used for there's a lot of players that now you know what what do you do you throw them in the deep end if you're going to play them in the first team whereas this a little run in these cups give you the perfect opportunity for the next round or two to um sort of you know get get some of them playing and um it's, uh, that's ultimately why i'm big going about it i think we needed to stay in the cup for that alone
0: we could have put in a, a bunch of key players and lose them to injury against against a league two team i'd rather i'd rather have this experimental team if you like if, if you want to call it that and you know it wasn't great, but so what? And I thought Malkandis had a pretty good game playing. He seemed to have been given a free role, in spite of his penalty miss. And there were was, was some positives to take from it.
3: Four's a lot to put straight into a football team and try. But the, the back four, there's a, not a lot of experience there. Obviously, we had, we had Raczic come in, who's, who's done well, and he's, he's improved. But was was it a good was it the best team selection? We don't want to make excuses, really. We don't want to make excuses.
0: Absolutely amazing! The buzzing, we get hope, limbs everywhere, you know. And then now yeah, I'm just looking for the second round now. I'm hoping we get a prem side. Yes, I thought we were going to lose it, like we did last season. You know, like we could see goals after like one one, then two one, three one. But we managed to play on like a solid league two side. So, so yeah, but um, anyway, look, fair play to your
4: today. If you're fielding a change side, that's always going to be the danger, isn't it? But the end of the day, Bill, we've lost to a fourth division team here who had also made changes. And it's just a little bit, bless you, just a little bit concerning that maybe some of the new boys weren't as impressive as we thought they were going to be. Jensen looked really good when he came on. Um, Ollie, obviously, is a class apart. You can see what Mbwemo and Valencia have got but it was the falling over that worried me and what a shame because I thought Rakic had a good game what a shame that he tried the Panika at the end and kind of ruined it it was a straight 4-4-2 which caused uh, caused us problems first half I thought which you know may have led to the goal it's one of those things isn't it it was there was a similar situation I saw on telly in the Middlesbrough game where we were trying to play that um sort of like the left half situation and it went horribly wrong and Middlesbrough nearly scored and tonight we were punished for it and that's, in this, that's one of the. the, the your, your best player is always the player that's not playing for you, isn't it? And that is the situation where you lose the, the clear head of Sawyers. But it seems from what I saw today, that's what Jensen brings. We've started the season a little bit late because we didn't know who we were, who we were playing and where we were playing them. But, you know, we were doubtful about Lassavibe, we were doubtful about Neil Mopé, and whoever Thomas decides to play, and however he decides to play, we will get it right because you've seen that they've got the skill to do it and we got the manager to do
0: it. Yeah, there were some upsides, I thought. Um, We saw that uh, the first team players who came on as subs actually all played well. Henry played brilliantly on the right wing, despite being left-footed. Jensen made a massive difference and uh, Watkins looks a a step up from the other attacking options. We've given time to to a number of new players um, and and that's probably the the only downside really of going out tonight is that uh, these cup games would have been a good opportunity to, to continue the blood people like and Buemo and Valencia and yearwood and they might not quite get that chance in the league or we might just have to throw them in but there's
4: a couple of players out there that didn't look like six million pound players tonight but over the course of the season I, I expect them to, to the cream will rise to the top you can't you can't expect them to come out and turn it on immediately or saying that Jensen did.
2: we heard the Cambridge fans and the Beast fans after the match the Cambridge fans absolutely delighted the Beast fans not so delighted Uh, not to be expected to be expected to be honest and uh, if you remember rightly we actually previewed this game on the Monday Love Sport Radio show 8 till 9 o'clock Monday Love Sport Radio and you can check that on prideofwest.london on that show we also listened to happier times when Lloyd Owusu and Darren Powell they retold the tale of Brentford winning the league up at Cambridge when a winner takes all games so check that back out because that's actually a really good little listen unfortunately last night wasn't so good and we've also got a few more events planned over the next few months big season at Brentford this time so we're actually planning a load of legends events over the next year so check out besotted.com And hopefully we'll have one tied up for the 31st of August, which is the Derby game. So like I said, keep tuned to the podcast, keep tuned to besotted.com, we'll have that. But anyway, coming back to the Cambridge match. Bit of a disaster, lots and lots of changes. I think it was, uh, and again, it's off the top of my head, I think it was four or was it five changes um, in that match as well. A lot of the new players had come in. We'd signed them on Thursday, on the deadline day. They didn't play up at Borough, but this is their first opportunity to actually see what the game is like I'd say the English game is like because most of the players they're assigned they're assigned from abroad and I think they uh, I think they were, a little, like they were caught out a little bit actually to be quite honest with you you know so what we're going to do is going to have a look back at this game and just see you know pros and cons of what's happened at this game but also just have a look back in general as what's happened over the last three games Liberal Nick what are your thoughts on well you know
3: what went right not a lot, actually. Well, we won at Middlesbrough. I mean, you know, we've, we've become Middlesbrough's bogey team, so that, that, that's a positive. Last night, though, uh, what did I take, take away from last night? Uh, one is that we should only play red-brick university towns. You know, we lose to Oxford, we lose to Cambridge in the League, uh, league Cup, you know, obviously not to be when we're playing these uh, uh, highfalutin university you know, towns and cities. Um, second point is, what was our formation last night? It's been really interesting, actually. We've, as, we've got a little group of, you know, besotted people who uh, sort of exchange ideas and things. And, and the experts, the Allard amongst them, were arguing today. And XG Anderson were arguing, where are we? What was the formation? And you stood there on the Ealing Road last night and nobody could work out what it was that we were playing. Was it four two three one? Was it four two four? Was it nobody could work it out? So you know, I think that's a, a work in progress. It has to be said, and and the, my big takeaway from it is, I think what's going to be difficult over the next few weeks, stroke months, is that now we're out of their the league cup. We've got quite a big squad. What is it that those players who are not automatic starters, who are not in our automatic 11, might not be in the automatic 16 because of players on the bench, how are they going to get their game? How are they going to get some game time? How are they going to understand how Brentford play? How are we going to be able to judge whether or not they're fit to be starters for the uh, first team? That really does worry me over the next few months. GP, a lot of new players that played yesterday. Are you a little bit worried?
2: Because you have seen a lot of things, and people are—they seem to be lambasting them, some of them already.
1: You know, are you worried about what you've seen out there so far? Um, am I worried? No, I'm not surprised. Um, so I think when, we did, when our group did our predictions, a couple of people raised their eyebrows and thought I was being a bit pragmatic. Um, this is why, because at the time I did the predictions, I wasn't sure, A, who was going to be still at the club you know there was obviously Malpai's now gone we could have lost Ben Rama could have and we could we could have ended up in a situation which a lot of people that are you know kind of naysaying at the moment have been again it's the churn that has um, you know that, that does have people worried it does have me worried and don't get me wrong I don't blame you know the DOFs in the team because it's unfortunate that's just the game that's how the game is at the moment. We are where we are. We do have to change players. There were a lot of players I thought we needed to get rid of, and there were some that I would have liked to keep that we had to get rid of. For, you know, because they wanted to go elsewhere to afford their careers. Last night we saw people and the guys getting their first run. You know, guys getting their first run in English football. So that it's a bit worrying for me that technically we're playing. With all due respect, we should be able to. We should be able to beat Cambridge wearing plimsolls. We shouldn't really be struggling to, you know, going at home to Cambridge. You can't really have got an easier draw last night.
2: Okay, I mean, we couldn't get an easier draw, but again, you put, you know, you put 11 players together that have played, you know, to a certain extent together, and they're going to be much more, um, you know, they're going to play together as a team much more than... A team that hasn't played together and also the other thing is that you come with a tactic where you basically put five at the back you know you make sure you play defensively and you see what you can nick i mean at the end of the day cambridge nicked her goal i have to say i didn't see the goal because you know just like most of us we were probably outside in the turnstile tr- trying to get in or in the loo so a lot of people most of our people didn't actually see the goal and i have to still see it back but they nicked a goal very early and then they sat back and they held on and uh, towards the second half I thought they were holding on for dear life because when we switched it up and Jensen came on and Ollie came on we looked like a different force and a different type of team and you know we scored the goal and uh, I think Cambridge probably thought you know even the fans said to them that they thought they were going to concede another one so I do hear what you're saying but you know you're still playing against a professional football team and again the words come back you know we've asked you know what's happened out there and because the words come back Matt you know the feeling from within the camp is that the players have only been there a couple of days you know they don't even necessarily know their, their teammates names never mind know the, 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 the positions of, you know the positions that they should be in and, 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 and the type of play that the team are doing they don't know where their teammates should be you know and this stuff that takes a while
1: to actually kind of get into place Gary the thing is that was a game last night where you need somebody to just really grab the game by the balls. You look at, you know, you wanted like, you know, when you used to see those games when Liverpool weren't at their best and Steve Gerrard used to literally take over and he would drag them through. But you almost needed to have somebody doing that last night and it started to happen when Jensen came on. Which is the case, but also that's quite interesting because you've said
2: when Liverpool aren't doing it, Steve and Gerrard, I mean, not be funny, Steve and Gerrard is a big player, he's a big name, he's a, you know, he's a big captain out there, he's done the business. We had a bit of a mismatch, bish bosh side. We didn't have Pontus inside there, you know. In fact, at one stage, we were on the terraces asking the question, "Who is the captain?" I mean, is it, is it Dalsgaard? And no one seemed to know because you couldn't really tell from out there. Um, you didn't have that sort of kind of. Not saying you have to have somebody thumping the chest the whole time but no one was actually kind of really leading from example
3: out there absolutely agree about that I mean I was disappointed with the senior players that were on the pitch last night I mean we've correctly identified that Jensen had a very good game and I thought that Ollie, when he came on you know d- did well and Macondes you know absolutely put in a shift I, I, I worry about Macondes because I worry that people are going to get on his back and he's going through probably a crisis of confidence and I think we should give him all the backing he looks a really good player he just needs a bit of luck he needs to score he needs to score a couple of goals he needs something to go in off his backside I mean I put out on i said today that we have an issue you know, do you remember Malpé arrived he scored three goals in I think the first five games for Brentford, and they didn't score for a number- another nine and there were people starting to get on Malpé's back, you know, well we know what the result of that was, that you know he, got, uh, uh, he broke our transfer record fee by going off to Brighton, well I reckon Macondes is the same type of player and I think we just need to stick with him he would be the first name I put down on the team sheet for Saturday we'll discuss it later I know because that is that he is the player that is the future of Brentford along with some of the experienced stuff and, and finally Billy what I would say is I I'm getting a bit worried is that the club and I don't know who it is and it's not the manager it's probably not the director it might be the director of footballs. we don't take the cup seriously enough the league cup and the FA cup are good tournaments where Brentford can actually go a long way in them because there are a lot of other clubs who play very weakened sides. You look at the results last night a number of championship clubs went out playing their, their, their second teams I think Brentford are the type of club that should be striving to get to at least the quarterfinals, if not the semi-finals, of both the League and the FA Cup on a regular basis. And I'm disappointed that we don't take them more seriously. I've said it before, and I'll keep on saying it.
1: But the thing is, players have to take responsibility as well. When it comes down to it, and that's what I was saying about somebody just grabbing the game, it's when it comes down to it, if you're a inverted commas, second stringer, this is your chance to become a first stringer. And you're not going to become a first stringer if you're struggling to beat Cambridge United. Because we've got Leeds next week. If you, if you ain't going to do it against Cambridge, you, I've got no confidence that you're going to do it against Leeds. So, so,
2: I mean, we talked about change side. There are four players, if I remember rightly, who are new in this side. Debutants as it is. Brian from Troy. Uh, we had Valencia as well. We also had uh, Yearwood, and we had Thompson as well. I just want to know—just give us your thoughts on how those players played, and you know, early thoughts of them. And it's only their first game, but
1: that's the thing—it's it's early thoughts. I, I thought they, everybody looked okay, but as I said, other than we had, we had a lot of what was it seventy-two percent possession. We heard was it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, it looked okay, but it sometimes you. It reminded me of that time when I went to a boxing gym and I was having a spa with some Polish kid and they told me to do X, Y and Z and X, Y and Z wasn't working so in the end I had to just, okay, I'm going to get punched in the face but there's nothing I can do about it, I'm going to have a tear up and that was the only one I could equal. Sometimes you want to see people just throw a little bit, kind of take, take that initiative and, as I said, grab the game and really try and drive through I'll tell you something let me make it a little bit easier for you I'm going to pick all the four players and
2: all you need to do is just give us one pro and one con for each player okay yeah
1: so Brian from Troy I thought he he looked for the ball very well he had a couple of good dribbles Um, he didn't look as sharp I wouldn't expect him to after first game but he got he got a good run out and that's what he needs at this stage he's barely been here a week and Con well as I say the fact that I, he didn't look as sharp as you would want him to and again it's because you know he's come in with a lot of, with a, with a lot of expectation on him and it's Marcondes had the same having come from Denmark scored a lot of goals you know, people were expecting him to be to hit the ground running that's not necessarily going to happen you would expect him to do better against um, Cambridge than he did but, it was a good shift. He looked, to me, he looked good. He looked fine. He had a decent game. Uh, Liberal. Valencia. Pros.
3: Um, I don't want to diss him, but I'm not saying there are that many pros. I mean, that's looks quite fast. But, I mean, to be honest, that's it. I just needed one. And cons. Oh, con. Con is that I think he disappeared. He got overwhelmed. I didn't. I we didn't. I didn't really notice him. That's got to be a con. You'd have hoped, going along with Gary's thing, you'd have hoped that those players would have wanted to stand out. He didn't stand out. Right, and 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 uh, and Yearwood as well. I mean, I think the pro is
2: that he, he looked he looked lively. Wanted to get involved, and he caused a few caused a few problems. You know, he was uh, you know he got forward. He, he attacked. He was he was he was very lively. And I suppose you would expect that because you know I'm saying Cambridge, but you know he's been playing at Division One level, so he, he's probably more used to this type of game than the other twos. The cons, I suppose, he um, he his distribution a little bit, and also he kind of disappeared a little bit off. And Also, he gave, I suppose, yeah, the, he gave the gave the ball away, yeah, gave the ball well. away as well. Well, again, I, you know, I couldn't say that because I didn't I didn't see it, you know. So uh, so that's the score, you know. And, and as well, just quickly, just on the
1: last one as well, Thompson, just pros, is it any pro? Well, he was—he uh, he wasn't in what you would technically really say the position you expect him to play, but defensively he did well. And I think defensively they all did well. Uh, I say that again because I was walking in with you um, just as we were kicking off from having conceded a goal, um, so I didn't see what happened before that. But for the most part, they—and was it him that did the block um, on the line? Um, later I think it was him again I thought that was a goal so he did really well to get across to that and Liberal any cons Thompson Uh, cons is I'm not entirely certain that he stuck to the
3: plan that he was told to do I mean I think there was a bit of uh, I think he needed to be reminded from the touchline about which position he was meant to be playing in but that may be because of the pro is that, you know, he was playing in a, he was playing in a position that he wasn't, wasn't used to. But the con is, well, did he, did he follow the plan right the way through? I do think, I, I wonder whether Thomas Frank had a bit of the sort of uh, Frank Lampard, uh, no, Steve Bruce moment at Newcastle, wasn't it? When a player came on and obviously played in the wrong position and Steve Bruce was screaming what going on on the touchline. And I think there was a bit of that probably from Frank, who's far too professional unlike Bruce, to show it in public. Okay, so listen, I mean, the question I also ask
2: is that, you know, again, people putting their hair out, we're out of the cup. We do also have to remember that, you know, we're still not a full-strength side. You know, we've got Ben Rama. Ben Rama is missing. I'm not being funny, he's a massive player, a big key player. So Ben Rama's missing. We've also got Norgard, who's a player who's quite an important player out there as well. He's been missing. We've got um, Makoto as well. He's a big key player. You know, people had argued that Makocho would come in ahead of Yearwood, you know. So we're still missing quite a good key
3: chunk of experienced players. Yeah, but, but haven't we been told is that basically what the plan is is to have at least two players for every position. So that, you know, if we do suffer injuries, if players suffer a dip in form or whatever, we'll have somebody come into...
2: But, but we've got them, Liberal. The thing I would say to you is that they have got them, but they're obviously still not match ready. Um, you know, they're not match ready. Enough, you know, in six months' time or three months' time or maybe in a month's time they will be. So I think the question here is that, there's two questions here, is that, do the players have the ability and uh, in the future, can we see them as really high-class Brentford players? I mean, are, are we, are we going to get ourselves into a Josh McEachern situation where we think, ah, oh, this is brilliant, this is going to be brilliant, and two years down the line, three years down the line, four years down the line, you're still
3: waiting for those players to come through? But what worries me is, what do we do, I mean, and it is a bit of a chicken and egg situation, but what do we do with those players who are on the fringes of the first team? who are now not going to be able to get a serious competitive game until possibly January in the third round of the Cup, which we go into.
1: Well, yeah, that's the thing. One of the things um, I wanted to bring up was unfortunate for Josh Clark because somebody who needs games and needs a chance to prove that he can get into our first team and unfortunately he gets clattered and ends up having to go off. It's just... Sod's law, but going back to what you understand the point about to, uh, having a player in each, you know, two players for each position. But realistically, can you um, sign something for six million and not play them? Well, I mean, I, I think if, you, if they're not ready, then of course you're going to, you know, you're going to yeah. do that. But then that's what I mean. If they're not, when you're signing players at that level, you are, and uh, again, it's the one like, like Brian. You know, where people and fans do expect them to be ready and uh, well enabled. But I'll make, so an, I'll, I'll make an argument to say that, you know, our £6 million
2: player now is a £1.5 million play, player two seasons ago. Malpay, we signed him for £1.5 million and we didn't play him for a while. Ben Rama last season, we didn't play him for a good while, even though we signed him for a good set of money. Because even though he's a good player... We had to get him up to speed. And so we didn't throw him in the deep end. And by the time we got him up to speed, he was all good. So I'm not not—I'm less worried about the price that we paid on them. I'm more worried. And that's why I'm asking you whether or not you saw any nuggets of something in the future in these players to think, tell you something, when he actually
1: understands what's going on in this English game, he's going to be a good player. But that's the thing. Last night, look, last night was fine other than we did. And again, it's similar to the second half against Birmingham for a good hour or so we created virtually nothing that's where it was all a bit pedestrian it's not that people were playing badly per se or doing things wrong but you know it just did not look like we were going to get through and, and I mean talking about creating nothing like I said to you, possession we had 73%
2: possession I know possession means nothing if you don't score the goals it's good to, to go out to go put it out there to know exactly how the game went You know, Cambridge at 27.4% but we we uh, <laughs> You know, we had 11 shots the 6 but we had 4 shots on target each you know and uh, the rest of the stats you know, whatever but it kind of shows you those are the sort of basic stats I haven't seen any XG but you know the, the, the one sort of kind of fear that I've had over the last 3 matches is the amount of um, chances that we're actually creating the amount of clear cut chances that we're creating and that's a little bit worrying and I'll tell you something as well because I found that a little bit worrying you know Birmingham game we created you know, quite a few chances particularly in the first half less in the second half you know we scored from our chance when we got them and we we, we, we smashed it and that was brilliant you know but to me sometimes you like so you see some teams are creating 16 17 18 chances per game we're not creating as many as them but hopefully we're defensively tighter but it was not only myself that was worried about this but also Thomas Frank who spoke after the match was a little bit Nervous. He didn't say nervous, but he flagged up the lack of chances created by Brentford and other things. Have a little listen to what he had to say right here.
5: I think first half we looked a little disjoint. I think uh, didn't didn't move the ball well enough, and um, we didn't have enough passes in the team. We didn't switch to play quick enough and didn't play in behind quick enough. And the uh, second half thing was much better, much more pace in the in the ball, one and two touches switched to the the ball, switched to play, playing in behind, create opportunities, create the goal. Uh, Some good opportunities on on set pieces as well, which should be enough um, to win the game with with the shot and the the possession we had. I must say we we need to to be better at um, at creating more clear-cut chances, even though we know it's very difficult to do it against a team who's banking in um, in a 5-3-2 and Birmingham the same. So even that is it's difficult, we need to do better. You need to get minutes into some players and also construct a team that you know is, is, is um, strong enough to, to compete and can go win the game and I think we, we did both but unfortunately on, on the night and in a cup football it didn't happen. After a good win uh, against Middlesbrough in the, in the league and we would like to take that momentum into to the game um, on Saturday and we know. It'll be a game similar to this, similar to the Birmingham, where we'll dominate um, and we need to, <coughs> to, to create the game, that's, that, and that's what we want. And we just need to keep that pace up. Uh, also, the quality on the final third and decision making that's the thing we need to work on. I know that Birmingham changed the shape because they played us. Um, I know Cambridge changed their shape uh, because they should meet us. So, it's something we need to deal with and need to find uh, some, some solution against.
2: So that was Thomas Frank talking after the Cambridge game. An interesting few things that he said there. Not enough passes in the first half. Second half, he thought was better passing, faster to create the goal. You know, but he, he talked about creating chances. And that's something, like I said to you, has been a little bit of a bane for me. Okay, it's early in the season, but you know, everyone has a close season. Close season, you're going to be getting ready for the new season. And um, it's almost, to me, it's almost like last season we had a really good close season. We got all the players together, we kept them all together until the very end. We had a brilliant close season, then we lost just Ryan Woods and a few others, which we're not going to go anyway. And we started on fire, you know, um, and we looked good and then we sort of tailed off. This season, it's almost like we had it all planned out and then it all kind of went a bit horribly wrong where players came in late and then Malpay left and some players weren't training and it seemed a little bit higgle-piggle. It seems like we suffered because of that. But the Liberal, Thomas Frank's press conference, were you...
3: Did you agree with him? I just wonder whether Thomas Frank needs to actually look not at the, the what the players did on the pitch, but what happened off the pitch. I think quite apparent last night that some of the players didn't quite understand where they were meant to be playing and what the tactical formation was. Um, and I wonder whether Thomas needs to think, along with the other coaching t- Team, how to get the message across to these guys? Um, because it it wasn't being translated last night very well, and that's I'm sure Thomas Frank is enough of a of a he's, he's a good guy. He will know that in himself perhaps he needs to look at but what the message is and how he conveys that. And that
1: probably is one of the most important messages that he might have learned from last night. Yeah, to be honest, I thought it was quite a good. I mean, a lot. Of, to be honest, I went home kind of thinking a lot of things that he then said. You know, the thing about creating chances being the obvious one. You wanted to see a bit more... You know, it was too pedestrian. You wanted to see a bit more... Um, in that first um, hour, um, before the, you know, before we made uh, before we made the stuff and the changes, and me, and we were just having a conversation, um, me and Nick, and we, yeah, we thought the same. we were still not a hundred percent sure exactly where people were, um, what people were meant to be doing. And I remember me and you having a, you having a conversation with me, and you were saying about a conversation you had with um, Thomas Frank very early in his reign when we were losing games. Where Thomas, if he had this idea of what he wanted to do, but wasn't quite coming out the other end, and the fact that we're still a bit scratching our heads over what people were meant to be doing last night, maybe that was the case as well.
2: Maybe it was. You know, interesting. Like you know, Thomas Frank's looking forward to to, to Saturday's game, and he says, you know, against Hull we will dominate. You know, we always dominate at home. You know, he he, he said it very very confident that we're going to dominate. We need to keep the place, final third ball, and we need to finish, you know. But the question is also asked, like, you know, these off thought, but, you know, Birmingham changed their shape when they came to us. They, they, they blocked us out. Cambridge changed their shape when they came to us. They blocked us out. So the question I'm going to ask you is, that how do we deal with this? Is it the fact that we just don't have the creative players in there who are actually going to unlock these defences? You know, when we had Ben Rama... He comes in, you give the ball to him, all of a sudden bam he runs at them. You know, interestingly Drew Yearwood, I mean he's still very early in his development, but he was a player that was bam, he looked a bit lively, he was running, he was opening things up. What do you think is the issue? How are we gonna deal with this situation? Because more teams are gonna come
3: and frustrate us Liberal. Possession is nothing. I mean, you know, we we regularly dominate the possession stats and don't get anything from games. I don't think we lack creative players, but I think it will take time for those creative players, players to, to show. I mean, to all the people who used to boo Sawyers, you know, have now turned around and seen what they miss. I mean, Sawyers is, those t- is the type of player who can unlock a defence, who can, who can thread a ball through and actually means that we'll, we'll start winning games. I am not, I'm not worried. We've got, you know, Jensen. I thought, was very good last night. I go back to the fact that I think Maconday's, Is a creative player, and if he plays as a false nine, I think there's some really real he can he can cause teams some real damage. I'm not worried about on that score. I am worried is that players aren't don't quite understand at the moment the system that the manager is trying to bring. What what we've done this year in this transfer window, we've massively strengthened our defence, which some would argue could have been our weakness last year. Have we done that at the expense of not thinking about how we're going to score the goals that will break that will win us the game?
1: Well, I think the way the kind of transfer window ended has caught us on the hop, and it's left it we're a bit undercooked as a squad. Um, We, as you saw last night, give force. You know, you can get the ball into force. He can score a goal. Um, one chance, one goal. Yes, exactly. That you know, he's a fox in the box. It's a case of getting the ball to the fox. He's
2: told he's the best finisher in the club as well.
1: He he may well be. And as I said, I was impressed. And we've seen the goal he scored at the end of last season, and we have seen like in the pre-season friendly as well. That got that boy can score a goal. Given the ball, and he can score yeah. a goal. It's a case of are we able to effectively get it to him? Um, I think in, in time it will come and. My, when I look at the season going forward I, I think we need to stay within nine points of the um, we need to stay within nine points of the playoffs by January then I think we've got a chance of getting in them I'm going to ask a question I've got, I've got to ask the question because
2: it was talked about a lot on the terraces it's talked a lot, a lot on social media it's just been talked a lot Mark we mentioned him and then we sort of skirt off the issue. But I think we need to talk about Marcondes because some people say he's a Marmite player. Some people say that he is being developing in Brentford for quite a while he's been there for if I remember rightly a couple of years now okay and we're still trying to find his feet admittedly he's been injured for a fair amount of that time Uh, and also you know he's transitioned between a few different sides and then also he came off the back of being in Denmark and being the highest goal scorer and scoring loads of goals in Denmark Then coming to us so everyone expected him to be a particular type of player now he obviously is a confidence player his confidence is really low but Mark Condes, I mean where exactly, I mean, we talked about him having a fairly good game against Cambridge, but where exactly does he fit in? And is Marcondes going to be a player who eventually
1: is going to do it for Brentford? Gary? He can be. I mean, if he could have scored the penalty last night, um, that might have helped it. It wasn't the best penalty, it was a bit, it was nice um, height for the keeper.
2: But doesn't that sum up sort of Mark Condes at the moment now that he had a he had a penalty and it, it, it was even number two. It was second. It wasn't even the fifth penalty. It was the second one, and he didn't score that. Isn't that the confidence thing? But
1: that's the thing. What it's up to. It's up, It's up to the coaching team to drill into it. And you probably don't need. He looks like a player. Like last night, he did a lot of good work. A lot. A lot of good work. And he put in a very good. You know very very good shift he put in last night the only thing you would really fault him on was the fact he didn't score a penalty so that's what you need to focus on with him and if he can it will come, it will come in time I'm a Macondes
3: fan I, I, I see every every time I see him play I see little touches that make me think that he'll be alright he he'll, he'll come good for Brentford what does worry me is that he's so low on confidence and you know it's like we said I I go back to the point I made earlier about Malpe you know when Malpe went on that bad run I'm sure I came on this podcast and said all Malpe needs to do is he needs to score a goal with a ball that bounces off his arse and he doesn't know about and goes into the back of the net and that's what needs to happen for 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 Macondes needs to fall up fall over in the penalty area and do a double black backflip and his back of his head knocks the ball into into the into the into the net and you know anything to anything to give the guy a bit of confidence and to show a bit of love to him because he is one of our creative players who can really do well and you know i think along with he could a lot he can feed the ball through the force i think Muemba and uh, Valencia feeding him in stuff. I think there's, I think there's real potential there as an attacking force. They just need time to gel. I just want to make a quick point. Obviously, we said this before when about leader. Uh,
2: it shows how much we missed Pontus Jensen last night. We really missed Pontus Jensen. Obviously, the defence was a little bit all over the place because people were out of position and stuff. But we did meet uh, Mr. Leader, that person out there. And obviously, things will be different on Saturday. But I'm trying to bring this back on a positive, And let's just try and keep this very brief. Positives. From the game
1: on Tuesday night, tell me just one positive. I, I thought we, what we conceded early, we didn't go to pieces like we did in games last year. Liberal.
3: Some players who will be crucial coming off the bench got some game time. And for me, I think the positive is
2: that everyone's lost sight of this. I think we didn't actually lose. We actually feel that we lost, but we didn't actually. We actually, no, but we drew that game. We did not lose. We we, we lost on penalties, but as a ninety-minute game, we did not lose oh, that game.
3: Bill, sorry, that that is absolute rubbish. When you look at the stats in years to come, we lost. We didn't lose that game. We drew. No, sorry, that is that is that is one glass, That's glass half full. One off. We when you look at the results, it one off. the Brentford went out in the first round of the League Cup or whatever it's now. So we went for, out, but listen, it was in this, in this season. You know, in the same way, I first went, I, my first game under lights at Griffin Park was 47 years ago when I saw us beat Cambridge 2 0. And that was a really good season for us, you know. I'm worried that, you know, last game under Light in the League Cup at Griffin Park, Brentford lost 1 0. I hope we don't have a bad season because of it. Okay, Liberal, I'll
2: give you that one, but I have to say that you span that one very nicely. The way that you span that one was like poetry. What I would like for you to do, the Liberal here. Can you just drop us a few little stanzas? Because I feel that, you know, just a bit of poetic license. The Liberal, come on. The couple? I read it, I don't write it. but oh, come on.
3: Just, just a couple of lines. I, mean, I read it, you, don't write you, it. You look, like a, you look like a poet to me, sitting here in front of with your pint. I, I, I have a pint, I don't have a beard, I don't have long beard, and I don't have a beret or any intention of embarrassing you with my erudite... And literary pretensions that I sometimes share. You're
2: talking about me stereotyping, but anyway, listen. We're going to look towards the weekend. We're going to have got well, we've got Hull City coming down. Uh, They're here just before the break, just before um, well, just before the back end of the season. It's probably February. It was very sunny anyway, like that. We've got Hull City coming down. We're going to have a little look forward to the whole game to see whether or not we can get back on track and actually win a game at Fortress Griffin Park. So Saturday, whole City coming down. They come down and they really enjoy themselves down at Griffin Park. And, uh, you know, there's a whole, a whole troop of them coming down. They come down all the time. And, uh, well, hopefully we can be able to sort of maintain our record of getting three points like last season, which it went down very well. The game, 5-1, if I remember rightly. Lovely sunny day in the middle of well, some ridiculous, like some sort of kind of Indian summer in February, I think it was. Lovely, beautiful, sunny day. And I at to city, great result. Ben Rama scored a hat-trick on that day, he's on fire. Unfortunately, he's not going to be playing on Saturday because he's still recovering from, uh, well, from not training over the closed season. So uh, I don't know why I'm laughing at that because it's not very funny at all. So uh, he's going to be back, getting back into training soon and hopefully he'll be playing for us by the end of the year, fingers crossed. But Hull City are coming down on Saturday. Let's go over to Hull. Let's speak to Bobby because she knows more about Hull than any of us do. She's going to give us the lowdown on Hull City.
6: Hi, my name is Bobby Hadgraft, I'm from Hull, I'm 18, a university student and I support Hull City. I've supported Hull for over a decade now and obviously I'm only 18 so I've grown up following the Tigers. I've been lucky enough to experience some of our most successful years in history, including travelling to Europe to watch the squad take on Europa League rivals in 2014, an FA Cup final and numerous campaigns in the Premier League. Last year, as the season before I will leave for university, I set about attending every away fixture. It was a brilliant personal achievement, but something my student budget weren't allowed for this time around. Our close season was better than normal. A new managerial appointment early on gave us a bit more time to plan. I was gutted at Adkins' departure, but it did allow us to build a squad from the start. We got more signings in early on than the usual last-minute panic, which is a big bonus for us. I managed to get three pre-season fixtures the first one was practically an under 18 squad against a local team north Ferriby. then we played french team amiens where we seemed to fall apart in the second half and we ended up losing 2-0 but then we traveled to doncaster we were a bit more impressive there and it was 2-0 with a last minute equaliser from josh burler one of our new signings from everton a good season for us would be comfortable survival we started last season in a very dangerous position and hovered in and around the bottom three, up until a glorious spell of form over the winter period. That, alongside a string of consistent home results, did allow us to avoid a relegation scrap. This season, following the departure of Adkins, then the subsequent appointment of McCann, there is a lot more uncertainty. I am relieved to say that our player outgoings are a lot more limited than expected. We've done some good business early on in comparison to the deadline day panics we've faced in recent years. And it's nice that the squad have had that time during pre-season to gel. That said, we have lost a few key players who reached the end of their contract. David Marshall and Fraser Campbell are some of the departed. But we have made exciting signings in the form of Tom Eaves, Ryan taffer and Josh Burler, to name a few. It's just nice to get some business done early on for a change. I have to mention it again. (laughs) We have, in all, made 10 signings. That includes four on deadline day. Our first game of the season wasn't that impressive, we lost 2-1 to Swansea away and it's a shame because we got an early goal in the, in the opening minutes and I was optimistic. We were 1-0 up at the break but then conceded 2 in 2 minutes early in the second half. One thing we must work on is stamina. Something I've noticed is that McCann's substitution seem far more impactful. There are positive changes such as bringing on new signing Tom Eaves at Swansea. He is a game changer and someone I'm so excited to see more of this season. He proved to be one of League One's most dangerous forwards, with 38 goals in two seasons for Gillingham. If he can replicate that form in the Championship, he could be something really special. Against Reading, we managed a 2-1 win, getting our first three points of the season, something I think is a massive point in the season. We got another early goal to add pressure. We were 2-0 up by half-time, done and dusted, you would think. Typical city, we didn't make it easy for ourselves and we seemed to lose steam in the second half, again mentioning the stamina. But thankfully it was just enough to claim the three points, but I must stress, only just. Looking forward to the Brentford game, it's our last trip ever to Griffin Park, so it's quite a big one. Last season, the two results were very contrasting. When we played you at home, it was part of our big upturn in form, and we beat you 2-0. And Pete, it was a very convincing win for us. Massively contrasting result away. 5-1 defeat. All I remember is Ben Rama. He absolutely dominated us, and obviously the rest of the squad as well. He's a key player. Very dangerous. I'm sure you're all so happy that you've kept hold of him. For this game, I'm not wholly confident as Brentford for me a dark horse is for promotion. We've had the same results: a loss and a win in the first two games. But one nil against Birmingham for you was a very unfair reflection looking at the stats of the game, and one nil away at Borough is a brilliant result. My prediction is 2 all. I'm being optimistic. That is an optimistic <laughs> prediction for me as I think both teams have girls in them. And Irvine first goal scorer for us. Up the Tigers.
2: So those are the wise words of Bobby from Hull. And she definitely has the knowledge. Home and away every season. Home and away again this season now as well. Spending up all that student money, of course. All that student grant money, of course. You've got to spend it all up on football. The only way to go. But look, Hull City are coming on, down. Hang on,
5: hang on.
3: Student grants, what are they? They... Is she paying her tuition fees off?
2: Oh yeah, tuition fees and you know you, you know the scoreboard grants, tuition fees, money coming in. It's all the same kind of. Well, you know all about that, the liberal, wouldn't you? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you could afford to go to football. You haven't you haven't you haven't moved the goalposts again by any chance, have you? Not yet. No, no, not yet. Tell you something. Tell you something. Because you actually kind of came in there and you rescued me with the facts and figures. So poetic. You've got to read out poem. Look, I've got a football poem for you. Just read this one out. It's called Out of Bounds. I'm not uh, Go on. Out, of, Go
3: on. out of bounds. Do you know when your sanity's out in left field? Are you still in the ballpark? Oh, heart, please get steeled. Though the answers aren't pretty, the truth's there to seek. It's when I feel the strongest, I'm often most weak. <laughs> Liberal, the poet,
2: laureate. You know what I'm saying? Well, not quite yet. But I'll um, <laughs> be. Oh, dear. We'll, we'll get you on the curses at half time every time. And you've got to do us a poem every game at half time. The Liberal Nick's poetry corner. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, let's come back to Whole City because you have been doing some poetry, reading up on exactly how Whole City
3: may cause us a few problems. Liberal, what do you find? I found that they've scored five goals so far. They've uh, won one. They've won one game and lost. They lost their their first game. They lost to Swansea away, and then they won last weekend against Reading. But I mean, anybody can beat Reading this season, isn't it? I mean, yeah. So that that shows nothing. And they won to beat Cambridge. And, and they won three in the last night. So against Tranmere, well, I mean, you know, they're good. Good for them. Uh, their strengths. They are wicked down the flanks. Apparently, they've got some some good. And they, um, they're very good at stealing the ball back off. So, which is two areas... Quite aggressive. Absolutely, which is two areas that could cause us trouble. Although, as we said earlier, we've shored our defence up. So, you know, Pontus will have a good time heading the balls that come in from the flanks up to the halfway line where McCondies will take them, dribble on and pass the force to score. So we should have no problems.
2: I've got to ask you, are they a passing side that play the possession game or are they a bit more direct?
3: They are they are a possession side. They are possessions. They are a possession team. but when they get the ball, they're pretty quick with it. They pass it forward quickly, fast get it out onto the flanks, get whip it into the box and that's how they score their goals so we've got to be aware of that on Saturday I
2: mean and key players I mean we talk about obviously you know there's Jared Bowen and there's Camille Grisici as well and also Jackson Irvine as well is a player who's very important for them who's uh, it's a centre-left as well you know so I mean there's, there's players out there who, who, who potentially
3: can cause us damage and they've been getting quite good reviews haven't they Hull are one of those teams that I think are going to end up mid-table this season and therefore, if we were to do well against them, we'll, we'll be higher up the league and could be pushing for the playoffs like we all hope, hope to have done. Hull, Hull are a good, going to be a good indication of where we stand in the league this early in the season
2: I mean it's interesting because I mean, if you heard Bobby she said they started off badly but then they had the good result last week against Reading then they won 3-0 against Tranmere now the thing is that Hull are a little bit unfancied but if you look at players if you've got anyone in your side like I said to you like Bowen and, and Grosicki that's going always going to cause you problems you know, it's going to cause teams problems and it's how you deal with them. And this could be in a, a bit more of a test than the Birmingham City game. I know we lost to Birmingham City, but, you know, it's going to be much more of a test for us because Hull City going to be coming down there. They've got a new manager, um, they've got new ideas, they've got just a new way of doing things. So it's going to be really interesting. And obviously Thomas Frank, as he said in his press conference earlier, he's fully expecting... Whole City to come and change their formation so they become a little bit more defensive against us and we have to try and break them down?
3: Well, I'm not certain, I mean, if you look back at the stats from this season, I'm not certain that's the way that Hull play, actually, and it would be inter- you know, So, so if they try and go back in the defensive formation, that actually gives us and it, ha, ha, I, the problem I have is that I'm just not certain what team we'll be putting out on Saturday. I don't know. Will we be playing the same team as we played last week against Middlesbrough? I'd be interested. You know, what do you think, Gary?
1: Well, I, I, I suspect we'll see a similar team to the one we saw at Middlesbrough. Um, we need to be able to soak up pressure early because, having looked at the results, they've scored six goals this season, five of which have been in the first sort of 16 minutes of the game. So, you know, they scored early at Swansea. They got a couple of early goals against Reading. They got a couple of early goals in the League Cup against Tranmere. Um, So I would be worried, bearing in mind that we've been conceding early and having to chase the game. That's something I really don't want to be doing.
2: And I think you're right there as well, Gary, because um, our style, or what we're very good at, is we're very good at protecting the league. So if we go ahead... We're good at protecting that. So, like I said, you saw at Borough, once we went ahead, Borough had no chance, you know, they couldn't get the ball of us, and especially when we are at home. And, you know, obviously, like I say, short passing game, we attack down the right, you know, we play the possession game, we always have a high stat, so you've got to try and get the ball off of us. So, again, if we're 1-0 up, you've got to try and get the ball off of us as well. You know, we play the offside track very well. You know, we got a pretty consistent Sunday lesson. The thing about it is, though, we're not aggressive. Now that, there's pros and cons to that. I think we'd like to think we're a bit more aggressive with the defence that we've got. but We're still relatively non-aggressive, but the thing that we is, is our downside is finishing those scoring chances. We still miss out on finishing them scoring chances. So this game is key. We need to get in front, score the goal early, and then we need to basically hold out.
3: That's not the Brentford way, though, is it? Really? I mean, you know, that's you know that that describe all. Oh. Although what you've described is the way that some of the... The new Brentford way. The new Brentford way. Some of the most successful teams who have gone up used to do that. But I think uh, I, that's not the Brentford style. We, we need to keep playing football for 90 minutes and, you know, go, goals, goals will come. We've shored up the defence. We've, we've strengthened our defence at the back. We now need to make sure that we can actually put the ball in the back of the net. is and forced to score two each on Saturday.
2: And Are you worried about you know whole City high pressing us with? We uh, you know we saw our defenders make a few mistakes under pressure, particularly against Borough. Uh, are you are you a little bit nervous about that? Do you think in the week they might be able to sort that out?
1: Yep. The short answer is yeah. Um, no, so yeah, I, I as I said that especially early on as. You know, as we have seen in games, and which was a problem last year, which I'm hoping is less of a problem this year, we are, um, you know, with them being, they seem dangerous, as I said, they seem dangerous early on. Um, so that does worry me because it is an Achilles' heel. We are showing that we're struggling to break teams down that get a goal and say, right, come on, Brentford, you have the ball, we're going to wait here for you. But at the moment, we're struggling to really create a number of good chances against those teams. I want us to be going into the lead in this game. And then, as you said, them being a team that do like, you know, have a bit of possession and getting it down the wings, we need to bring them out.
3: So what, what you're advocating, Gary, is almost, have we got plan B? If we go behind, have we got plan B? And that's always been the issue, hasn't it? We know exactly what plan A is. What is Plan B? This is new Brentfords, We've got new players. We've got new subs that will be on the bench on Saturday. Are they the ones that can execute the Plan B for us? It'll be an interesting, uh, be interesting to see. But I don't, I, you know, I don't have that that fear that Hull will actually score first. I think you know, we if we play our high high pressing, high high pushing possession, possession get. Thank you. It's all the peas. It's my, my peas because you're getting, a poet. Yeah, my, my peas were getting held up in the bohemian uh, beer that I have been enjoying. There's a slight sort of bit of poetry for you. Um, and I've now forgotten where I was going with this. But anyway, no, I, I'm i confident that we'll be able to, to take the game to Hull and that they will actually be faced with more problems than, than they'll give us.
2: So, guys, you know, my final question, I'm going to say, game on Saturday, Hull City. Who is going to play? I mean, I know he's sort of pontificated, but we never actually answered the question. Gary, who do you think is going to go? Are we going to stick
1: with the Borough side or what changes do you think we make from that Borough side? I think it's going to be very similar to um, the Middlesbrough side. Um, Force may feel he's, uh, you know, by scoring a goal, he's kind of put himself in the window and put himself into, um, you know, he may feel he wants to put him into prime position because he scored. But I think we're going to keep, um, I think we're going to keep it pretty much as it was. I'd
3: I would definitely start Force, I would definitely start Macondes, I would definitely start Pontus, I'd definitely start Jensen. Rest of the side. I'm happy to, 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 to bow to Thomas Franks.
2: So you take out Ollie Watkins.
3: I would bring Watkins on as a sub. I think I think I think Ollie I think Ollie has potential to, to wow.
2: wow. Tell you something, this poet laureate thing has
3: been going to your listen, everyone to their own opinions, and uh, we accept it. Come on, let something. me let me let me explain. I no. think I think Oli actually has the potential to be a really good impact sub. I think you know, coming on, he can create. Different. Ambi- I have two faces staring at me, who thinking that I'm talking a load of rubbish. There's
0: a actually, of there's but, a but, but there's
2: mushrooms that you were taking before you no, did that poetry. No no no, 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 no,
3: no, no. I think I think I think Ollie is the type of player actually who needs a bit of a wake up call as well, and to to put him on the bench on Saturday. And then to bring him on after 55, 60 minutes, say to us, show us what you can do. It'll be a real wake-up call to Ollie, and sometimes that can be good for players. OK, Poet Laurie, I'm just going to ask this
2: question. You mean Ollie Watkins, who scored a really good goal for us against Borough on Saturday? Yeah. And the Ollie Watkins, who was on the bench, and then he came on for us and set up the goal on Tuesday. Is it the
3: same Ollie Watkins? It is, and I just you know, it, he he needs to. I think Ollie needs to be reminded that he is a very good player, but he is not, he is not the star. It's it's the team. It's not just the individual. He's not, and he's not bigger than yeah, he's bigger than his yeah, boots. Uh, I, I sometimes I worry that about Ollie. Is he's a new Harley Dean for you, isn't he? No, 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 not at all. Because no, he's an ex, he's an ex-Exeter player, and I, you know anybody who comes from that neck of the woods, I like and, and have a lot of time and respect for. But I think Ollie can have the real potential to come off a bench and sort of be a disruptor, um, play a different different style. If we need to be more direct, Ollie Watkins can be the player who can play more direct of all the players that we have sitting on a bench. I'll actually, you know, bring bring him on, give him, you know. There will be games where there will be games when he's an automatic starter. There will be games when he's good on the bench. I would drift him in and out all the time because I think he's the type of player who needs to be absolutely gelled into or, or sort of you know poked in a say. Come on, Ollie, show us what you can do. And you know, game on Saturday could be a good chance to do it.
2: I think we're going to have to
3: leave it like that. Liberal
2: Nick, Disruptor, left field, Poet Laureate is all thrown into one this show. There's so many things that we didn't know about him. He's just out there on a proper limb. Listen to you. Just Let's go
1: around and let's just give a score prediction for Saturday. Um, I think 2-0 Brentford. I don't think we're going to make um, the, mis- the mistakes we made against Birmingham and last night. Um, I suspect that we're going to get a goal in the first half and a goal in the second half.
3: Brentford Watkins to score in the 80th minute
2: oh is that, is that
3: after he's coming on the 79th yeah exactly Yeah,
2: <laughs> and I'm going to say 2-0 to Brentford as well I think we're going to get our mojo back a little bit and finally and uh, keep a clean sheet which would be very very nice listen just quickly besotted.com go there we got t-shirts you must have seen them the Brentford t-shirts the Brentford old school t-shirts they're all there besotted.com you can get them down the globe as well on Saturday behind the bar just go and ask behind the bar loads of t-shirts down there wicked t-shirts all sorts of different colours as well what else have we got going on like I said 31st of uh, this month hopefully we will able to announce to do that we're trying to pull together a little bit difficult at the moment now but if it does it's going to be absolutely wicked check out besotted.com pride of west london for that as well but other than that we're sitting here in this wicked pub the hercules it's a really 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 fantastic place if you're ever in this part of town which is waterloo come down and have a drink here they'll take very good care of you just mention besotted pride of west london podcast and they'll go well, what are you talking about never heard of it but um, as we sit here enjoying our pints, we'll probably go and have a glass of crack each in the Rum and all sorts of stuff to celebrate the fact that hopefully we'll not let any goals on
3: Saturday. And we'll see
2: Ollie Watkins coming on. And we'll see Ollie Watkins coming on in the 89th minute. (laughs) (laughs) And Liberal (laughs) Lick Do Poetry Half Time. And we sit here as we sign. Come "Come on, you bees! bees. A nice stanza from the Liberal.